Good morning, Wrestling Inc. Welcome back. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman, here for a Thursday episode of The Winkly. I hope you are thirsty for some pro wrestling punditry because we're going to give it to you here today. And usually on Thursdays, I am joined by my friend Justin Labar, but due to scheduling, he's not here today. So we have a very special Thursday appearance from our good friend, Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkley. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> thirsty Thursday. Woo! You missed the alliteration there earlier. You said, are you thirsty for pro wrestling? You got to say thirsty Thursday. Mm. Yeah. God, that... I love alliteration, man. Go read something I wrote. I, I use tons of alliteration. I should call them thirsty Thursdays, but then it's like, well, what are you thirsty for? And that's why I say, uh-huh. are you thirsty for pro wrestling punditry? Because it's a little, you know, I'm not going to say don't drink on noon on a Thursday. <laughs> Because, like, I don't know what your life is, but I, I can't have a, a beverage at this moment. That would be bad for my day. Oh, why is that? Oh. No, you can't work drunk? What's no. wrong? What kind of alcoholic are you? No. No, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. I can't drink and do my job. It doesn't seem to work too well. Though I will say this. Uh, I'm not playing it today. We're going to play it next week. But last night I got to do an interview with Mance Warner. Are you familiar with Mancer? I am not Mance Warner. Mance, Remind me who that is. Mance Warner, former CCW World Champion. He's with GCW now. He wrestles on MLW TV. He's from Tennessee. He's a beer drinking Southern boy who who likes to brawl. Yes. Okay. I, I. Yep. I do know Mance Warner. Yes. Yep. I'm looking at him right now. Mance Warner. So I got to chat with Mancer last night, and since he was drinking a beer while we were doing the interview, I had a beer too. So I'm very excited to release that interview next week because it's a very casual conversation. Between two Southern boys about pro wrestling. It's great. That's awesome. It's wonderful. I used to do what I did between the ropes for many years. I did a beer of the week every week when we podcasted. Some weeks it was two to three beers of the week, depending Mm -hmm. on how long the podcast went. Well, no beers were drank today when I was doing the interviews uh, for today's show. Uh, Very excited to release these onto the world. Uh, I'll say the the second one first. We're going to close out our show here today with an interview with our good friend Ethan Page from Impact Wrestling talking about getting let loose in the tag team division with the North. Uh, and we are going to be playing right after our new segment here, Michael Weissman, a man I've been trying to get a hold of for an interview for a long time now. Finally found him. Finally got him for a half hour or so. The one, the only, Barry Horowitz is going to be on the show today, Michael. You've been teasing this one all week, so I, I, I have not heard it. I'm super excited to hear what you guys chat about. It's great. It's good. It's good. It's just good to hear from Barry, right? So Barry Horowitz, Ethan Page, they'll be on the show here today. A reminder, we're going to be doing another Winkly tomorrow. Uh, it is a video version of the Winkly. It's myself and Raj Geary talking the top stories of the week. That's going to come out tomorrow, 2 p.m. Central, via the Ringside Wrestling app. It's free to download. Go get the Ringside Wrestling app. And uh, you can watch me and Raj talk all the news of the week with all our fun graphics. Uh, and uh, I'm going to reveal the guest for tomorrow's show at the end of today's show. So there's your tease. But all right, let's get to it here. News you can use, news that will leave a bruise. This first story here, this is bruiseworthy. Um, Big E tweeted the following regarding alleged former racially offensive bodybuilding forum comments from one Lars Sullivan. And he says, many are aware, if true, He has to bear the albatross of being a bigot and working in a company that is now filled with minorities. Uh, For those that are not aware, these these largely popped up on Reddit, and I had seen some of this stuff before about Lars under a former handle, you know, 
I'm not going to repeat what he wrote here or allegedly wrote in these forums, but it's not it's not good. It's not it's very offensive. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So Mike, I'll just I'll, I'll punt it to you. What do you make of what's going on here with Lars? It's crazy to me. So what was his was there a reaction from Lars? Did he what, did he block somebody on Twitter? Was there any kind of recognition? I, I might have missed that in the news cycle yesterday I, and today. I was looking at the Reddit compilation and yeah one of the people who tweeted about this i guess got blocked by lars right Mm -hmm. and so which doesn't mean anything necessarily but they did have some anecdotal evidence in this reddit thread that did necessarily point to lars as being the guy who they said there was a picture in one of them and things like that yeah it seems kind of bad on its face man this is not it's not a good look and and number one again big e here always kind of the outspoken one here in regards to and i appreciate this about big e he is willing to put his neck out there um and not not in an aggressive offensive way but he's willing willing to be the one to speak out about characters like this if it is true about lars sullivan or as hulk hogan was in the past and their uh, bigotry and racist comments so Props to Big E for being willing to kind of himself um, bear that albatross. But yeah, this is not a good look for Lars, especially in the middle of a big push. Uh, This is something that WWE, it seems like, is just kind of simmering on and hope it goes away. This has been around for a little while, I guess. It's just kind of breaking through because of this Reddit thread. And it's it's not good. It's not not a good look for a guy who's had some, you know, he had some mental health issues. But yes, not good. Well, a couple things here. You know, yeah, I I had heard some of this stuff before, but it, it it feels a lot to me kind of like the racially charged version of Bill Cosby, where it's like, I'd heard about the allegations, but nobody had ever put them all together for me, you know? <laughs> right, <laughs> you right. Know, where, where now it's like, in a, it's like in a compiled form here. Now, if I'm Lars Sullivan or WWE right now, and this is not Lars Sullivan who posted this, I'm going to come out and say, Lars Sullivan... This I didn't say this, right? Like, this isn't me. Some denial here, playing it down. But uh, to the best of my knowledge, we have not we've not heard any of that uh, from Lars Sullivan or WWE yet. Yeah, that's what's crazy is that you would think if you had not this was not you, right? You would come out and say, absolutely, 100%, these are all false allegations. Right. WWE would be jumping out there to get ahead of this news story. But if you know for a fact it was you and there are things linking you to it, you do the opposite, which is let me just hope it goes away and kind of filters out of the news cycle by the weekend. Right, because then you're not denying it, right? right. And it goes away, which is kind of what Hulk Hogan tried to do with his comments for a while that did not that did not play well for him. So. Uh, you know, I would love for Lars to address the situation or a WWE representative. Um, but if true, and this guy did do this, he did say these things that are so offensive. And you've got a guy like Big E here call, openly calling him a bigot, right? I mean, is is it enough to have him, quote unquote, punished by just having to be around minorities? Or do, does another step need to be taken here if you've got somebody who's openly a, a bigot walking around and making people on your roster feel uncomfortable? Man, that seems like some form of of a weird way to get, but you know, here you're a racist, so go work with a bunch of the people you hate, right? Right. Um, that, that's an interesting, but but listen, right? WWE's got to deal with this, especially because Lars is not some kind of part-timer who pops up from time to time. Not that that excuses this behavior, right? I've been very outspoken in the past about things like the Warrior Award because it represents a man who for many, many, many years 
was a bigot and a racist and a homophobe and everything else. You, you want to lump into that and never kind of, I, I think, don't remember much repentance for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very critical about the Hulk Hogan thing because he's got that baggage after his racist remarks. And it does seem like he's done some some work to kind of rebuild some of those bridges in WWE. Sure. But Lars Sullivan's a guy who's there in the locker room every week and will likely have to work with the guy. Maybe they keep him separate from Big E, but with somebody else, this influences on the locker room. So I, I think it's got to be a situation where either Lars has got to step up and try to do some kind of, you know, recompense here and, and make things right. Or uh, WWE's got to think about their relationship with Lars Sullivan. Yeah. And that's that, you know, I wonder if, if he doesn't say anything, right. And this continues to simmer right now. It's like making its way onto all the, the wrestling news sites and stuff. I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to think, you know, a more mainstream source could get wind of this, right? Start poking around and asking questions about it. You know, if this does become something that's more widespread uh, and he doesn't address it, you know, how do the fans react to this guy, right? He's a heel, so he's going to get booed, right? But, like, where are those boos coming from? You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. Where is this heat coming from here? Uh, and, you know, there's the other bigger issue here for me which is something I've kind of been talking about over the past week or so. And, you know, when we're looking at, you know, the ratings being down or whatever, um, you know, so you can point to creative, but then there's the other, like I said, there's like the, the moral uh, side of WWE that again, it's like, I see fan, certain fans getting older. They're keeping up with what's going on here. They're seeing, you know, you're going to let this guy be a part of it. Oh, you're also doing this Saudi thing. You're also bringing Hulk back. You know, there's a whole different couple of things here that just kind of, when you ball them together, you know, I think that's where part of the the loss of the audience here is if you if you don't address something like this correctly and you let it just go go by, you know. Well, it's 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 like when WWE was in the Attitude Era and they were kind of outside. I mean, they were mainstream because they were the highest rated thing on TV, but the product was outside of mainstream from the perspective of it was considered crash TV. It was kind of a little more, you know, adult in nature, kind of compared to Jerry Springer a lot of times. When you're outside that realm of public sphere, you can kind of do what you want to do and get away with crazy stuff. But since the mid 2000s and their push to go public and their push to be a recognizable brand and be alongside things like Coke. And NBC and everything else out there, there's a huge responsibility that comes with being a great corporate partner. Somebody like what the NFL has to deal with year in and year out. And WWE has still not reckoned with that in the right ways. I'm not saying that having some kind of somewhat shady past or doing things that are regrettable in the past should hold you back from future employment. Not saying that whatsoever, right? We had the James Gunn thing just in the last year with Disney and him getting booted off Guardians of the Galaxy before being brought back in, right? For something he said back in 2011 or what it was, right? The point though is that James Gunn he went back and he apologized and said, I recognize what I did was wrong back then. And even though it was a joke, it was still an awful joke. He recognized it. He grew from it, right? Mm-hmm. You see the same thing happening with Hulk Hogan in his attempts and say what you will about them. He has made some level of attempts to kind of go back and say, I, I recognize what I did back then maybe was wrong and I want to start building off of it. Yeah. But if you let things like this slide and you are a corporate entity like WWE, you are not running your business the right way in the mainstream eyes. And to your point, it's the same thing with the Saudi deal and everything else you mentioned. And that does hurt their business standing with the general population, I believe. Yeah, I I agree. You know, there's people that like wrestling, but if they're going to like it and feel weird about it, they may not watch. Right. Especially if the product is not particularly engaging, you know, which is a, a problem. Again, goes back to the creative thing. I think these two issues kind of ping pong 
back and forth of each other. You know, and with Hulk, you know, Big E, sounds like Hulk made, you know, a genuine attempt here at the Hall of Fame. Uh, Big E, great, gave him credit from that. You know, I, I think we all wish that something like that would have happened earlier. So, you know, again, there's, like Big E said, a path to redemption here for Hulk Hogan. But with Lars Sullivan, you know, again, we need to find out, first of all, does he take credit for these posts or not? And if so, you know, what's he going to be doing going forward? You know, lastly here on a, on this note, you know, when I thought about uh, when Lars Sullivan initially uh, kind of had the mental breakdown and didn't debut on Raw, I remember thinking at the time, I've heard that this guy has some racial baggage, <laughs> okay? And I wonder if he, in the back of his head, was... Th- I wonder, I'm just speculating. You know, I wonder if in the back of his head, he's not saying to himself, if I go out there and I put myself on this stage... All this other stuff in the past is going to come out there now because you're going to be under a bigger spotlight. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. It yeah. makes it wonder at a certain point, is a guy like this worth the investment when I'm sure you have 20 other guys you could pull up from the indies or from somewhere else and put them in this spot? So look for the superstar shakeup week five next week. Somebody might <laughs> month two. We're there. We are into month two now. Uh, all right. Well, let's switch gears here away from Lars Sullivan. PWInsider.com uh, reporting that Sasha Banks did not travel with WWE uh, on their uh, most re- or to their most recent European tour. She was scheduled earlier this week to film promo material for WWE 2K20. No word yet if she has attended that taping. Of course, Sasha has been uh, reportedly sitting out her contract as of late, uh, because she's been ha- unhappy with the creative she's been given. Uh, Sports Illustrated caught up with Becky Lynch uh, of Sasha Banks. She said, at one time, Sasha Banks was the top dog. She was the boss. But Sasha's fallen from grace. It seems like she can't hack it. Sasha's <laughs> husband, McKaysie, also tweeted in the past 24 hours, FYI, no tantrum ever happened, playing down the idea that Sasha and Bailey, Sasha and Bailey held tantrums at the hotel and the uh, the arena the day of wrestlemania over their booking so uh hmm mixed bag <laughs> mixed bag here of sasha banks news uh in the in the b block uh um, i don't know do you think that this is all on the level now or do you think there's plans to bring sasha back I love Becky Lynch here because she is at the same time calling attention to a real life event while still working the crowd. This is what's made Becky Lynch so great for so long. She's taken the real life and mixing it into a way to where you could see Sasha Banks coming back and having a built in feud with Becky Lynch. That would just be fire, man. It would just be amazing. So, I definitely think something went down, right? You don't pull Sasha Banks away like this. You you don't take her off money in the bank and the stories we heard about her being originally in a big position for that. All that doesn't happen if there wasn't some fire where the smoke was. I don't know. Again, we blow these things out of proportion, right? We, we not not me and you necessarily, but the internet in general. We hear a story, we run with it, and you take it out of context. It becomes ten times bigger because you're focused on the one event and not all the events surrounding it. So maybe it wasn't a tantrum. Maybe her and Bailey were loudly voicing their opinions, like we all do from time to time. Who knows what the actual situation is? I'm really curious about this WWE 2K20 situation. If she doesn't come for that, to me, that is indicative of where we're leaning right now with with Sasha Banks. But the Becky Lynch thing says maybe she is work. Maybe maybe Becky's working on her too to come back and they can set something up. Well, the two 2K is always notoriously like kind of at a distance from WWE. Like they produce it, but they do a lot of stuff on their own there. And I do wonder if Sasha, like again, it's like okay, you don't want to be backstage at the arena working with Vince and creative and getting lied to. I get that. But do you really want to turn down the check for 2K 
And uh, yeah, granted, you know, WWE is going to make some money off you here too, but you don't have to be in that environment to show up and do this and be a part of 2K20 uh, while, you're, while you're through this process here. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's work. It's, I mean, that, that's still work. Don't get me wrong. With WWE 2K20, that work would be an easier paycheck than because stomaching the backstage politics. I don't even know if WWE wanted to pull her from the game if they could. Right. Like, I don't know what that contract is like with 2K, because, again, 2K does things sometimes that they just want to do. I mean, their press team is completely different than WWE's press team. The, the way they operate is a little bit different. So, I, I mean, again, it's like, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked at all if she showed up for the video game shoot, though. You know, well, all those things, even inside of WWE, the teams that work with 2K are separate from a lot of times the teams that work with weekly television and weekly talent and things like that. So it still might be like, hey, we have all this set up. Why would we change courses? It'd be way too much work at this point. Yeah. Uh, well, the Wrestling Observer reporting about Luke Harper, that Luke Harper apparently requested his release in November of 2018 by telling Vince to release him if they weren't going to use him. Vince told him to take it up with Triple H, who has still not gotten back to Harper, it sounds like, as of press time. Uh, he's not, it doesn't sound like he's going to be given any further bookings, and he will not be let out of his contract until it is up. He will be paid to stay home and not wrestle until his contract is up. Brutal. I'm I'm sure that's not what that guy wants right now. This is this is a crazy story to me because again, it's it's going through Vince told him to talk to Triple H, Triple H not getting back with Luke Harper, and Luke Harper not being used. You, you see a guy here in Luke Harper who's requesting his release because he's not being used, and there's a passion in him to do more. And and I think Luke Harper has a lot of potential. I'm not saying he's going to be main eventing WrestleMania 36, but I do think Luke Harper could be used in an upper mid-card to maybe even main event fashion occasionally. That would be very effective. He can go in the ring. He's got a good presence. So the fact that they don't want to use him, it just makes you feel like is there something else going on here why would triple h have this reaction when triple h is a star maker is it because luke harper is not an nxt guy a lot of questions here in my mind that i just feel like we don't have the full picture on yet yeah i i do i wonder what the future looks like for luke harper um but yeah i was more i was more taken aback you're right by the the chain of command here that vince would be like no hunter handles this stuff you know like i mean and it also just goes to show you how much power you know triple h is like uh, you know accumulated here backstage so it's like risk he's using nxt to take over the entire world it's so weird because it's like we're getting luke harper's largely his side of the story here man it's like i would love to sit down and find out from like triple h's perspective like what's going on here right now why is this not working with luke harper you know well, you look at it, too, from the opposite perspective. We just talked about Sasha Banks, and I think the star power of Sasha Banks and the way she's been used, she gets a little more cachet, but she also has a little more ego that goes with it. I've never sensed from anything, stories I've heard, anything I've read, that Luke Harper is anything but just a passionate son of a gun who wants to fight for the best spot he can get in the right way. So, again, why is the company kind of giving him the cold shoulder, and why is Vince sending him to Triple H? It's just a strange situation. Very strange. Uh, we'll talk about Strange. Uh, the Observer yesterday punditted about the fact that WWE's new wild card rule could affect uh, live attendance. And uh, yeah, I guess it's already affecting live attendance advertising for sure. We might get some false advertising here because SmackDown superstar Roman Reigns is advertised by the Staples Center is taking part, uh, uh, taking on SmackDown's Elias and Shane McMahon in a handicap match on Raw next week. But. The same night, WWE is advertising a SmackDown Live appearance in Palm Springs, California, that Roman Reigns will also be, uh, which he's also advertised for. So one of these shows is going to lose out on Roman Reigns, and this is exactly where we're getting with the dilemma now of how much harder is it going to be to sell these live event tickets if you don't even know you're going to get the action that you're promised. 
It's like that night that Chris Jericho said he was going to go from being at a Fozzie concert to being in uh, WrestleMania just a couple hours later or whatever it was, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Can Roman Reigns go to both places? Is there a way for this to work? (laughs) I don't know, man. (laughs) Palm Palm Springs and L.A. are not, like, particularly close, I don't think. (laughs) No, no. This this does create problems. We all know. I'm a huge proponent of the live event experience, right? I always tell people, if you're going to go to a WWE show, go to TV if you want to go to, like, if you just got to be on TV. But if you want a great wrestling show, go to a live event because the talent still work their butts off and you have a great time watching wrestling for a few hours and they do some fun little angles here and there. So I hate to see live attendance kind of live attendance at live events kind of tapering off like it has been in recent years. They've been struggling in this. If you look at recent reports, they've been trying to raise ticket prices to compensate for the loss of fans at a lot of these live events. I think part of it is they just do so much that wrestling fans have, they feel like, you know, I can watch the WWE Network. I can watch NXT. I don't need to go and pay $60 a ticket to see this, this WWE product live. But pulling talent away from those live events are going to continue to devalue them. And I think that will become a problem. It's kind of like you're, you're selling yourself short right now or you're just to get the short term gain or selling yourself short in the long term, I should say to get the short term gain right now. We need, we need TV ratings, but you're also devaluing the other main, another big revenue product you have here in live events. Yeah. I I almost wonder if they wouldn't scale back on live events here just to like, you know, I don't know. It's a model that worked for a time and, and served a purpose. But the idea of like what a live event like is now is totally different than what it used to be. And I just, I mean, again, it's like, if you want to work out a match, like in front, you know, in front of a crowd or whatever, like that's one thing, but you can just go to the performance center now and work with like agents to like put that stuff together. Right. Everybody wants to be at home with their family more often. There's so much made about WWE needing an off season. If you cut one, two, of these house shows per week and had guys working more live events and staying healthy at the performance center. I mean, I just, I, I got to think that's something that's been bandied about, you know? Well, yeah, but the problem is, and I think, you know, it makes a lot of sense from the perspective, like you said, of giving talent more time off, letting them rest, whatever else. But this is why the brand extension, it's why WWE keeps going back to this idea of a brand extension, right? It's because they can use two separate rosters to do basically two different shows. So maybe you have SmackDown coming next week, but then in two or three months, you got Raw coming through so you can see the talent you didn't get to see. And in WWE's mind, I can pull from both the same fan twice to get them to come see these shows. I don't think it's working out as much, but there's still a substantial amount of revenue. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but a substantial amount of revenue that does come from live events every year and from merchandise sales at live events and yada, yada, and so on and so forth. What do you do if you pull these guys off the road? What do you replace that with? Is it big events like the Saudi deals? Is it How do you make the balance sheet work at the end of the day? I think it's a good idea, but they're going to look at end of the day the money aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do Does it make sense? <laughs> Get it? Mm. Uh, well, talking about a guy who makes some sense, uh, PWS. That was uh, not good. <laughs> Shut up. That Sorry. was great. That was very good. <laughs> yeah, look, I didn't want to make a big deal of it, but I am in a lot of pain right now. I went to the <laughs> dentist this morning, and they put a crown on my tooth. And not only did my insane dentist, and I'm not going to say his name, uh, but he did not numb me up and give me enough uh, stuff for my tooth. So we got into it, and I was, like, screaming and painting. He's like, we've gone too far. I can't do it now. It's not going <laughs> to like I can't. You're going to have to just tough it out. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? And he's like, oh, I hate putting people in pain. So anyway. Uh, I'm doing it, but, yeah, this is why this podcast has been heavy on the, the Wiseman today, <laughs> just for the record. I'm trying my best, but, yeah, come on. That made a lot of sense. Okay, uh, PWInsider.com reporting 
Mauro Ronaldo signed a new WWE deal. He's going to remain as the NXT commentator. He's also going to be allowed to do WWE events in the world of uh, or non WWE events out in the world of MMA. Uh, good for Mauro. Uh, again, it's like NXT has such its own. I was talking with Labar a little bit about this yesterday, but like NXT has its own vibe. And if you were to combine br- brands and you still wanted two touring brands that you could do bigger venues, I would rally behind NXT because there's really no difference between Raw and SmackDown. Those things can be comboed, and then you can have another brand that you you actually make a big deal about, and you know that those shows are going to be different. You know? Yeah, sure. And you give you give the talent on the main roster more time off by not doing so many house shows with them. Yeah, I like that a lot. Was there any details on the Mara Ronaldo deal? Did he, you know, get a little pay bump? I mean, everybody else on the the roster is right. So is is Mara? Do you know anything about that? I I didn't read anything about it. I mean, maybe yeah. I would guess. I don't know. He's a good soldier. He's been, you know, a good advocate for them. So I wouldn't be shocked if he got a little bit more money. But well, I, I dig this for a lot of reasons. I'm I'm glad WWE is continuing to let him work MMA because we all know that he's very passionate about that. But locking him up from the pro wrestling side, Mara's a guy. If he goes to AEW. Fans will take notice, and 100. some fans will follow him over there. That will be a big deal. So mm-hmm. I, I'm glad it works out. He's great at NXT. I think it's a great fit for him. He did the SmackDown thing for a while. We know what happened there, so I like it. Okay. Yeah, I agree. And I hadn't even thought about the idea of him being a free agent for AEW, but you're right. Yeah, him and, and Jim Ross are under the same roof. That's kind of a mm. interesting thing to think about. Um, yeah, they'd be a good duo. More on play-by-play and Jim doing uh, color. would be good. Uh, Lana... Uh, seems to have an idea of, uh, for how we can get the WWE TV ratings up. She posted a GIF on Twitter that broke the internet of her showing off a very skimpy bikini. This was one of the most uh, traffic things on the website yesterday. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Sex uh, sells, Nick. What do you think, though? They sh- should they let Lana go in a more ravishing, risque direction? Do you think that would help with the ratings? I don't I, I don't think it's that time and age anymore. I mean, if you want to do some kind of mature product somewhere else, I, maybe have at it, right? But maybe a reality show. I, I mean, they already do the Total Divas thing, but I think putting her out there and wrestling every week is going to cheapen wrestling and take it back to a place we don't necessarily want as a fan base. Yeah. Uh, well, her husband, Rusev, uh, tweeted out of Shane McMahon awarding Brian and Rowan the tag titles, though they did eventually have to wrestle the Usos for them, so they earned them. But he said, what a great tag team tournament. Obviously, he's in, a, <laughs> he's in a tag team with Nakamura. They didn't even get a shot at these tag titles. Just some more shade here from Rusev. Rusev's the best thing. He's one of the best things on Twitter, I should say. He's just he's always calling out these these things that happen. We all think about as fans, and he draws attention to them, but in a very in character way, but also in a, a, a snarky way. It's just perfect. And this is yeah. I want to bless Rusev. I want a table for two where it's just Rusev and Biggie responding to people on Twitter and be the best. <laughs> <laughs> The three, the three can just be a cell phone, right? That they have a Twitter feed up on it. It's just Rusev, Biggie, and then the WWE universe. You get to sit in the chair as they address you. <laughs> you know what I love about two Rusev here? He has one of the greatest smiles in the world. He's always doing kind of that angry, serious Rusev face, like Rusev crush. But when Rusev smiles, he just lights up a room. And so whenever he makes these comments, what a great tag team tournament! His comments a few weeks ago. Come on, you guys, Goldberg is back. I just imagine he's doing that goofy smile. Um, that just that sets these tweets off just perfectly. Yeah. Uh, WWE released a recruitment video for their creative team. Now, I took three minutes this morning to actually watch this masterpiece. Do, have you watched the recruitment video? I did. I watched it yesterday. It's great. <laughs> now, it's like a who's who of like who's still there. You're like, wait, is that guy still with the company? Let me go. T- wait, he's gone now, right? <laughs> go watch it if you haven't. I mean, I don't. This. 
this seems more like a PR thing where it's just like, look how happy our creative team. It didn't get the vibe. It was like to get people to go to work for them. It was more just like uh, propaganda for everyone who's like, the creative team seems really unhappy. They're like, no, they're not. Look at this three-minute video we put together. <laughs> well, this seems like the kind of thing you play, number one, yeah, to do that, to make it seem like the creative team loves working there and, and get some good PR off that. But also it seems like the kind of thing you share with corporate partners mm -hmm. as a recruitment tactic outside of pro wrestling to make yourself seem like a more standard corporate entity, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you watch this video, all of these guys, and I, I do encourage you, go watch the video because it's interesting. It's an interesting perspective, right? It reminds you, WWE is a corporation. I said this on Twitter. They use the same generic, crappy corporate laptops that whatever company you probably work for in the world uses from HP, right? But really interesting is all the people they interview, and maybe not all, but most people in the interview are talking about how, yeah, you know, I didn't come from a wrestling background, and I came from working on soap operas, or I told away at writing screenplays for years that never got published or made, and now I'm in WWE, and I can see what's happening on TV two days later, and it's this really interesting, like, positive spin, but as a wrestling fan, you're like, huh, none of these guys know anything about wrestling till they got to WWE and they don't seem terribly successful in their past endeavors. So it makes you pause. I was so surprised that the things I was writing were making it onto a screen. Right. <laughs> I was, right. You know, there's, there was a little air of that. Uh, AEW, uh, let's get to some AEW news here. AEW has announced that they have signed Jerry Lynn as a coach. Excellent uh, addition here. They've got Billy Gunn as a coach now. Uh, I guess that's what they're calling their agents or producers or whatever, coaches. Uh, but, yeah, hard to argue. Jerry Lynn, great fit for this crew. Mm -hmm. Love Jerry Lynn. Great talent. Um, I wish WWE would have scooped him up. There were some rumors he was going to go to the Performance Center at some point. So glad to see AEW put him in that slot. Uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet reporting that AEW has signed Lucha Underground's Angelico. All of these guys are going elsewhere now. All the Lucha Underground talent finding homes outside of the Lucha Underground bubble. How did, does that mean Lucha Underground? Are we done? Is it officially over? <laughs> Don't know. Man. Willie Mack is signed with Impact. Jeff Cobb holds titles in ROH and New Japan. I would guess, you know, it would be like if they decided to do season five, it would have to be some kind of like Avengers Assemble type situation <laughs> where it's like, you know, they all get like, uh, I don't know, maybe they have like a, a ring or something that all starts to glow and they're in different places. You see Jeff Cobb like over in Japan, right? Angelico's down in Mexico or whatever. Be great. Um, rebellious noise sat down with the Briscoes for an interview where they called out the Usos claiming they want more big time matches. I would love to see the Briscoes versus the Usos. And also if you want to wrestle the Usos and more big time tag tag uh, teams, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to come to ROH, but it, I did uh, think to myself, would the Briscoes ever fit in WWE? You know? I mean, if you ever want to do backstage segments of shaving another person's back and, and having Icy Hot in your genital area, then you should definitely sign up for segments on WWE with you. So would, that's the best way to do it. I would love to see a creative team guy go up to Jay Briscoe and be like, we're going to have you two shaving your, your backs in the bathroom. Like, what the hell are you talking? Get out of here. What the shit out of you? Um, it reminds you how big of a deal, though. Like, this is another good call out here. The Usos are one of the best tag teams in, in the Americas, but in the world, right? I mean, yeah, they're under the WWE umbrella. They've had great matches for years. They are a solid tag team. And seeing them unleash, I mean, yeah, they got this thing going on right now with the Revival, whatever it is. But seeing the Usos unleashed against some of these indie talents we've never seen them paired up with, I, I would just, I would love to see, I would pay such big money to see those matches happen. Uh, and I'm lastly here, it's not on the run sheet, but I did want to note, um, I got a little message here from somebody, because as everyone knows, I've been a little skeptical about whether or not Dean Ambrose is actually returning to the indies and things like that, right? 
And we've heard different outlets, including Dave Meltzer earlier this week, say that they expect a list of independent wrestling appearances to be released sometime soon for Dean Ambrose. I got this message this morning from a friend who said, you were right about Ambrose not looking to have any bookings for a while. Meltzer backtracked on Ambrose taking bookings in June. So for everyone who thought I was crazy, I'm not crazy. You're crazy. I think this guy, if not still with WWE, Vacation will be back. Wouldn't be shocked to see him pop up, maybe, at an indie show or something like that, but I wouldn't hold my breath. This guy's making a movie right now. He's rebranding himself. I think he's back. I think he comes back as Moxley. You think he comes back to WWE as Moxley? 100%. Yes. I think he doesn't take bookings right now because I think you look at a... Yes, I think the movie's going to keep him tied up through Gene, which, by the way, I think it's a pretty... I don't know if you guys talked about it yesterday, but need to see him branch out and do the, the acting thing a little bit more. A movie that is produced by Christian, um, I, which is... I did, some po- I did some digging around by that, and I don't think that it's necessarily Christian putting up his money as the executive producer. I think that he was somebody very hands-on, uh, working uh, on the creative end of it. From yeah, yeah, that's still I'm, cool though, right? Very, very cool. Very, very cool. I just don't want to. I, I read that and I was like, "Whoa, did, does Jay have that much money? Is he producing? <laughs> is he producing?" <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Avengers Five produced. No, I love, I love Christian, so I always love to give him a shout out here. But no, I think it's, I think it's cool that we're going to see John Moxley do the movie thing too. In between, I still think there's something to the AEW rumors, right? You talk about him pulling out of bookings know. for June, not doing that. Where's the Starcast what announcement? This? Where's the Starcast announcement? You don't do it. You don't need him for that. What you need him for is a surprise pop the night of Double or Nothing. I don't know, man. I mean, look, I'm I'm as on board as anybody because I want to be in that room when when that pop happens. But like, I don't. I'm not holding my breath. I mean, look, I I, I don't. Uh, again, like I did a lot of I did a lot of field work in the 24 to 36 hours after that viral video came out, and I don't I don't anticipate him on the indies. Where's the pro wrestling tea store? Where's the Starcast announcement? Where's Everything that every other talent who gets free and clear of a WWE contract does when they're free and clear of a contract. Granted, he could be, you know, genuinely just burned or wanting to do different things or whatever. But that video definitely says to me, I've got some plans. What they are, you don't know. Right. Mm. So um, to me, Mm. to me, I don't know. I don't think this guy's gone. I think I think he's back later this year. WWE is Moxley. You flip the switch May 26th, and you have all that stuff ready to go without having to do any legwork to sell a bazillion things the day afterwards. I don't know, man. Chum in the water. That's what hey, I I d- I'm not a gambler here, Nick, but I'm just going to say, do you want to go double or nothing on this? Eh. My guest at this time is a former WWE and WCW superstar. You can find him June 1st in Monroe, New Jersey, as part of the Legends of the Ring convention. He is the one, the only... Give him a pat on the back. It is Barry Horowitz. Barry, welcome to the Winkley. Thanks. Love to be. I'm, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Nick. No problem. So, Barry, let's start it up here. I have, I've never had the chance to chat with you. What are you up to these days? What is the life of Barry Horowitz like? Well, kind of semi-retired, but um, also uh, I was doing some wrestling matches and uh I'm involved in a bunch of stuff. I'm doing these signings. I'm doing some mentoring and teaching. I'm also um, went to school for nutritionist before uh, went to school for nutrition before wrestling. So I'm a nutritionist also. Okay. So that's what I'm doing. That and training hard, keeping trying to keep uh, at the best. Very cool. Well, you know, I uh, I got to do some research on you, Barry, which I is one of my favorite things to do, and uh, cool. we're gonna, we're going to walk through. Uh, your career, just briefly here, throughout the interview, mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, at the end, we'll talk a little bit more here about the Legends of the Ring convention. But you started in the WWF in 1987, and you have had quite a career uh, in in the decades since in pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. To me, describe how did the Barry Horowitz character come about? How did you how did you create this character? Well, actually, technically speaking, pardon the pun. Uh, I started in 1981 with the WWWF with Vince McMahon Sr. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, actually, I really started there and then progressed. Vince Sr. sent me to Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling NWA Crockett Promotions. Okay. So, I went there for a couple of years and got polished, went back home, wrestled for Championship Wrestling NWA, Gordon Soley. And stayed there a few years. And then from there, went to Mid-South, which was Jarrett Promotions. Only stayed there a brief stint because uh, the WWF caught me on uh, TV, and they asked me if I wanted to join back join the team now. So I went back with them. And I was there maybe a couple of years, had a severe neck injury, was out 11 months, the roster was full, went to WCW. Yeah. Now, you, and then, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm, and no. then went back with Vince again, and then um, let's see. Wait a minute, I'm getting no. myself confused. We're, we're running went a, back with Vince. Went, <laughs> go ahead. You're running a little <laughs> fast. You're running a little faster than me. But no, I mean that that's that's wild to hear that I did not realize you had worked for Vince Senior yep. and Vince Junior before starting oh, yeah. with the WWF in 1987. What was mm-hmm. the what are the differences for you between Vince Junior and Vince Senior? I think Junior's more innovative and more creative, more up to date for for the for the years now. It's time to switch it up. Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. And when you yeah. when you came back in with Vince Junior in '87 after mm-hmm. being polished up, like you said, was the intent? Mm-hmm. Did you always think to be coming in as an enhancement talent, or did you get the vibe that they were going to use you for something bigger than that? I thought they were because at the time. I was using uh, Barry Hart as my name, and then it got switched to Jack Hart, and I thought maybe I would be in the mix with the Hearts, but I wasn't, hmm. and I realized my role was enhancement, and bottom line is, take it or leave it, <laughs> and you're a fool if you leave it. Yeah. Well, you, Unless you've got an ego problem about winning and losing, then you need to, if you're worried about that, you need to sign up with the UFC. <laughs> Very good point. No, wait, you were going to be with the Hearts? Was was there? Some... I want. I thought I would be, or something of that nature. You never know. I, you know, I didn't know they'd be changing my name, and then they changed it. They said, "Let's just call you Barry Horowitz because that's your real name," and go with that. It was kind of cool. Okay. And did they have any mm-hmm. idea for the Barry Horowitz character, or was it just we're going to give you your name and let you let you figure out what you're going to be doing here? I think it was that. Uh, it was my name, and let me do what I, I'm doing, and then eventually. As the um, skip angle came in, into play, then they started tweaking my character. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, mm-hmm. before we get to the skip stuff here and your first pay-per-view win, now, when you say you left WWF for WCW and the brief mm-hmm. sit there in 1990, that was just because of a neck injury. Is that correct, that you, that you left? Yeah, that? it was a neck injury, and they, the roster was full, so I had to you know, go elsewhere and uh, went to WCW. How do you deal with it? Now, one of the big things right now, I don't know. Do you ever watch the show John Oliver last night tonight with John Oliver? Did you have a chance to see the the vignette that they did 
about WWE Ooh. wrestlers and their their health insurance and things like that? Not at all. Oh, Mm-mm. okay. Don't well, even know about it. Okay, Mm-mm. well, that's fine. That's fine. I was just uh, I'm just mm-hmm. interested here. When you say you went down with a neck injury here, now mm-hmm. was that? All on you? Were you required to pay for all the medical ins- expenses and stuff well, like that? Well, uh, they they were paying me somewhat, and also I had insurance. Oh, okay. Was that pretty common for all the guys then to have it, uh, their own health insurance? I, I don't know about the other guys. Um, you know, I just know that you know uh, my insurance was much more than much more than going out carousing and bars and so forth and having a seven hundred dollar bar tab. First of all, I don't drink hardly at all, and second of all, I got more important things to do. It's my career. It's not about the bar scene. So you were not one of the guys that was going out with Ric Flair uh-uh. and all the other no. guys at the bar afterwards? And, and I'm not knocking that, but I treated my career, I treated it very serious and intense and almost like a shoot. I think it, it worked for me, put it that way. I mean, you get done with your match, it's time to shower, it's time to clean up. You know, get a great healthy meal. It's time to go to bed. I got a long week, you know. I got TVs. I got house shows. I got preparation. I got training, you know. So I don't know how these other guys did it, but I had to stay focused. <laughs> uh, well, when you did come back here to WWF around 91, um, right. one of the original people that I see you got slotted with the fight or, or to feud with here at 92, about mid-92, was Kerry Von Erich. And he's an interesting guy for me in, in mid-92 yeah. because... A lot of people, I guess, yeah. didn't know at the time that Kerry was dealing with. I mean, you know, dealing with. He he had a prosthetic foot at the time. Right. Do you mm-hmm. do you remember working with Kerry around mid '92 yeah. and, and thinking there was something off with him? <clears throat> no, I just <laughs> to be honest with you, I wrestled him one time. TV, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was in Florida, the Sun Dome at USF campus, mm-hmm. and. That's about it. I didn't know. I I think maybe I heard hearsay about the the leg and foot injury, and yeah, the match was just okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. What was he? What was yeah. Carrie, What was Kerry like to work? I mean, that he had seen a lot of things. He was at that just point. A, yeah, nice guy, polite guy, and just um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, another. Man- I didn't know him. I didn't know him very well. I wrestled him that match. Seen him in the locker room a few times. Pretty quiet, you know, and um, uh, that was about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and when you came back here, you also one of the it was funny because I'm looking at all the names that you've interacted with Barry, and I'm just kind of picking people mm-hmm. here out at random here. Sure, sure, uh, sure. But one of the other ones I thought was really interesting was how you helped to elevate Sean Waltman as the one, two, three kid when you got him helped mm-hmm. him to get involved with the Quebecers there. You know, considering mm-hmm. your spot on the card and that you've got mm-hmm. this other guy coming in, the one, two, three kid. I mean, what were your memories? Of a young Sean Waltman and uh, working with him at that time. Bottom line, business as usual. Yeah? That's about it, yeah. Because I knew Sean from uh, Lightning Kid in Global Wrestling Federation, GWF. Okay. Did you... Mm-hmm. So I knew I knew him then, and then I knew him in the uh, Fed, and that was about it. Yeah. Did you... I mean, but when you have more guys coming in that kind of working in that uh, enhancement talent lane, I mean, do, yeah. you ever get, do you ever get competitive about that, or was it, you know, always just something... You know what? Yeah. Mm-mm. I was... I'm not being cocky, but I was very confident and sure of myself, and I knew they're not going to match my style. They may cut moonsaults off the top and so forth, but I'm talking about technical wrestling style, and I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't insecure about it. Hey, just do my job to the best. Like Bill Belichick says... 
do your job. <laughs> uh, what was what, what was your relationship? You know, I was talking about Belichick here. You know, what was your relationship yeah. like with Vince? What was your relationship like with the top guy at the company? Oh, it's just business, you know, say hello to him, talk to him a little bit. And that's about it. You know, he's busy and he's even busier now. But, you know, and I only seen him probably just at TVs and Madison Square Garden house show. Mm. Who who are your advo- mm-hmm. who are your advocates then uh when it came to talking to Vince? Who were the guys that were pulling for you, you thought? Oh wow. Hmm. I think a little bit of everybody. Chief J Strongbow, Renee Goulet, uh Tony Gria is a big supporter, uh Georgie Animal Steele, uh, Grizzly Smith. Yeah, all of them. Now it was summer it was SummerSlam ninety five that you finally mm-hmm. picked up a pay per view victory. It was against Body Donna Skip. Now now we're getting into some territory where I actually remember these moments, right? For me. Like what what was but what was what was that like for you to finally get to the point where you achieved a, a pay per view victory like that? Oh, it's just electrifying. It was just wow. It was it was just uh overwhelming, but handled it well and I was just I was ready for it. It was just, it was fantastic. It was a sold-out uh, civic arena in Pittsburgh, a.k.a. the Igloo, and uh, it was just iconic. Plus, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Sudden Impact uh, movie uh, with Van Damme was filmed there. I was in the same locker room. It was just cool. Real cool. Really? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. Now, that took, now, it took you years to get to... A pay-per-view victory. I'm talking like almost yeah. a decade here yeah. to get to yeah, this moment. Um, there's been a lot of wrestlers in part of the current generation right now that take to social media. There's been a lot mm-hmm. of frustrations being vented, a lot of grievances being aired about their spot on the card. Yeah. You know what? What uh-huh. advice would you give to wrestlers that are frustrated? You know, based <clears throat> off of how long it took you to get well, to that moment. I don't agree with that totally, Nick. I mean, this is my opinion. Maybe things have changed. You know how things change as the years go by, and then some things never change and just leave them alone. I don't believe in that. Um, you got a spot. You have a job. You could dumb yourself out of a job, and then where are you going to go? You're going to go work the independents or Japan. But you're never, and you should never say never in the wrestling business, but you're never going to work for the likes of WWE. It's just too powerful. How, I mean, how, it's a mistake. It's a mistake venting. You know, I can understand. Even if you're top notch, and still, it it's just that's just the way it goes. That's the wrestling business. Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. But at the time, you you know, even when you left the first time, because you left again mm-hmm. after this to go back to WCW for a couple years. I mean, mm-hmm. how you know there was another big promotion in the room at the time who was willing to give mm-hmm. you know wrestlers jobs and things like that. I mean, how, right? how, how important was it for you to feel there was another big company in the room that you could have a little negotiating power with? Oh, it felt great. I mean, I, 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 I still fulfilling my dream and had a job, you know, that, that was the most important. I'm still, you know, uh, making money for my family and supporting myself and fulfilling my dream and with another company. Yeah. Yeah. How, how different was Ooh. working in WCW in 97, as opposed to WWF? What were the, the environments like? Well, <clears throat> Uh, it was kind of cool. I wrestled less and got more money. (laughs) I guess that's why they're out of business, but (laughs) I only, uh, well, I did nitros and thunders and Saturday night, uh, Saturday night, I think it was called or yeah, Saturday night. 
um, taping. Um, yeah, it was, uh, and then some house shows here and there. But um, <clears throat> you would um, wrestle more and work harder and work more for the uh, WWF. Yeah, and you know what was Bischoff like? What was it like? Was it a, was it a culture shock when you jumped from one locker room to the next? No, I really only spoke to Eric maybe one time. About it, spoke to him more than ten minutes ever. Um, well, you did have a chance to be a part of the initial uh, streak with Goldberg, which I thought was interesting. As I went back and <laughs> was like looking mm-hmm. at all the Barry Horowitz uh, tidbits there, what was it like for mm-hmm. you to be working with Goldberg? I mean, what do you remember of a of a young Goldberg there as part of his rise? Oh, just he was really over strong and. Uh, yeah, no, that's about it. I mean, it was pretty cool, that idea to streak and so forth, and uh, people liked it, and it was exciting and electrifying. Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing is you teed, you helped to tee him up for success like a lot of guys did. You know, for you, mm-hmm. though, having, like, you're, like, synonymous as, like, one of the most beloved, I guess, enhancement talents of all star time. Maker. Star maker. Star maker. I'm sorry. Star maker. I'm, I'm, I'm quoting the great. Tim White Lightning Horner. Okay. He told me that years ago in a locker room one time. Star Maker, a.k.a. Barry Horowitz, Tim Horner, Brad Armstrong, a.k.a. Star Makers. What do you think are the good <laughs> what do you think are the good qualities in a star maker then? Like what do you think makes for a good wrestler in that capacity? Okay. Yeah. Great question. A star maker and enhancement is a guy that still goes to the ring like he's a main event. What do I mean? He looks good. He's training. His attitude is good. His, he's, ha- you know, he's happy to be there. He's doing everything that a main eventer would do, and only he does lose. But when he loses, people go, wow. I mean, just like a UFC fight or a boxing fight or, or a football game, wow. He put 100% and he just, just, he just didn't have that, that last inch to go. And that's what I think. And then you could almost wrestle with anybody, any style, an Undertaker, a Brad Armstrong, uh, a Bret Hart, a Kurt Angle, and then, and then, uh, or a Kamala. You know, you could, you could adapt to any style. That's, that's good enhancement, and you have to have it. To this day, you have to have it. If everybody was a winner, if everybody was Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels and Triple H, you'd be bored. Mm-hmm. You've got to have it. It's just, it's synonymous. It's, it's, it's reality. It has to be. Do you it's watch- that in every sport, winner, loser, winner, loser. Do you watch a lot of the current product now? Do you keep up with much wrestling these days, Barry? Uh, somewhat. Um, uh, the girls' division is actually very well because they never used to wrestle like that. And I'm not being biased, but they're probably being, I don't know this for a fact, but they're probably being trained by men because I'm seeing men, I'm seeing men, the moves they're doing and the, uh, the way they're wrestling and, of course, uh, you know, Vince has the cream of the crop as far as beautiful girls and wrestling. It's incredible. Um, the product itself, I, I see it here and there. I mean, I'm not into the, the – if I, if I see, like um, – I'm just going to throw these names at you. If I'm flipping the channels and I see Kurt Angle going against Bret Hart or something, I'm stopping and watching the whole match because I'm going to see an entertaining wrestling – I emphasize wrestling. That's what it says on the marquee outside the book – the uh, Madison Square Garden wrestling match. I'm going to stop it and watch it. Mm-hmm. No, but did, I'm not watching tables, ladders, and chairs. It's mm-hmm. not my forte. Nothing against it. I'm not into it. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I guess is like, do you do you do you not like kind of the direction that wrestling's headed right now because it's less kind of the stuff that you're talking about, and there's a lot more yeah. Gaga. I feel like to it now, especially yeah. WWE than there used to be. 
I don't know. It just you got to go with the times. I understand. I just I I think the perfect formula is rest wrestling with entertainment. You know, you people know it, and you can't be total wrestling. You'll bore them, and you can't be totally entertainment because they'll change the channel because they want to be entertained in a different way, not in a carnival way. Yeah, um, have mm-hmm. you have you had any talks with WWE about going back in any capacity? I know there's a lot of guys. I'm actually been in contact with them for the last month as far as mentoring or coaching, and that's still in the works. I'm also interested in a new promotion in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I'm hoping that takes off too for everybody's sake. Are you wait? Are you talking about? Are you been in talks with both WWE and AEW, which would be the Jacksonville promotion? Right. Well, I'm going to talk to anybody that wants to hire Barry Horowitz as far as coaching goes, you know. For sure. I mean, I prefer I, either one. I mean, you know, I, I, I got to be biased a little bit with the WWE. I mean, they've taken care of me pretty well, and they're, they are a huge and established company. But, you know, first come, first serve, Nick. So, wait, you've actually had chats with AEW about coming in. What would it be, like a producer capacity, helping to put together matches? No, no, no. Okay. I've actually had chats with uh, – not to a full extent the 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 main people I'm trying to get to them and it's mostly what I would like to do either a road agent or training in the ring yeah the way I was taught yeah yes that's that's what I'm about not not producing nothing like that if they want some ideas maybe fine sure but yeah now what under the right circumstances would you be interested in you know jumping back into the ring and possibly having one more bout in either of those promotions um, not really. I mean, I am capable right now. I have a knee injury from squatting too heavy and I got to let that heal and I want to just let that heal. Otherwise I'm good to go. Okay. So you're not saying, you're not saying no to one more match. You're just saying not right now, I guess is what. Exactly. <laughs> okay. You got it, Nick. Okay. Gotcha. I didn't, I didn't want people to think they were closing the door for all the promoters that are listening no, out there. No, no. Uh, you got to remember, Nick, there's a lot of great wrestlers. But Barry Horowitz wrestles great. <laughs> True. Do you now on that note though? You know, what do you think about the Hall of Fame? I mean, do you do you care about WWE's Hall of Fame? Would you consider it an honor, or do you think it's just kind of a, a thing that Vince has created? Um, I'll be blunt with you. Uh, it's pretty entertaining. It's pretty cool. I think only wrestlers should be in there. And yes, I do think I'm in. I should be in there. Okay. Without a doubt, because there is. I won't mention names. There is people in there that first of all can't lace my boots. Or don't know a wrist lock from a wristwatch. But then there's people in there that are not even in pro wrestling or even worked for Vince. Yeah. That's so true. it's kind of almost like a slight to me. Like, what? Hmm. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I hear that I hear that quite a bit, you know, because there are more and more sure. guys each year that, you know, just like you say, this they're not WWE guys. You know, on that note here, you know, you had a chance to work with so many great performers over the years, Barry. Who were some of the people that you personally really enjoyed working with the most? Wow. Okay. I mean, I've got a lot, and I don't want to... If I leave anybody out, sorry if they're listening, but, uh, I mean, I have a lot. I mean, there's, like I said, Tim Horner, Brad, the whole Armstrong family, Brady Boone, Reno Riggins, Lenny Lane, the Patriot Del Wilkes. Um, Wow. Bob Backlin. Uh, all the Samoans, Superfly, Jimmy Snuka, uh, Owen Hart, way up on my list. Bret Hart, um, jeez, wow. Uh, oh, um, Crush, the whole Demolition Crew, the Road Warriors. 
Who was the mm. who was who who was the nicest to you? Because like I've always heard this story uh, about yeah. with enhancement talent about how some enhancement talent would get tipped out by the wrestler mm. who beat them. Were there any yeah. were there any wrestlers yeah, who were particularly not... kind to you or no? Yes, I mean it was a lot. Almost everybody I mentioned, Bob Backlund and Hulk Hogan, exceptionally kind. And here's one. I mean, super super duper kind. Superstar Billy Graham. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very kind gentleman. Mm-hmm. He got in a little trouble mm-hmm. recently. He told a wrestler that he should take steroids in order to wow. get bigger. Were you ever pressured to, to take any enhancement no. drugs or anything like that? No. No. Uh-uh. Never. Wow, I didn't know that. I, I No, I didn't know that one. <laughs> well, so. a lot of guys say things now I feel like to get in the headlines. I don't know if he genuinely meant it or not. but uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a couple of other nice guys also is... Um, Kevin Kelly, uh, a.k.a. Nails, John Nord, a.k.a. Berserker, mm. Al Perez, I mean, wow, Mike Graham, Eddie Graham, Brian Blair, Steve Kern. Who are you, mm-hmm. who are you traveling on the road with most, re- most of the time? Who was your, who was your wheelman or your driving buddy? Uh, mostly, if I didn't drive alone, I would drive with, uh, Glenn Jacobs. Oh, really? You and Kane? Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Good traveling guy. Good guy. Good guy to train with on the road. Uh, really a good guy all around. Um, yeah, I, um, I'm thinking the Fed also with Reno Riggins. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of anybody. Scott Casey every now and then. Oh. Uh, Ron Bass every now and then. Um you know, it depends on where you were at and what you're doing, what uh, what tour you were on, and so forth. So, did you? Yeah. Did you ever participate in any memorable ribs backstage? Did you ever do anything to to pull one over on anybody? Mm. No, I'm not into that. I'm I'm not into. I mean, I'll take a rib and I don't put them over. You know, unless somebody's getting in my face and wants to really do something to me. I mean, harm me or take my money or my hurt my family, but. Yeah, it's kind of immature a little bit. I mean, you could have your jokes and what have you, but I don't have time for that. I got other things on my mind. What? You know, there's a time and place for joking and so forth, and yeah. So what? Yeah, not into it. You sound like a very put together guy throughout your career, Barry. I mean, it doesn't sound like you drank a whole lot. You weren't in on the ribbing. No. What? What was it like for you to watch guys? You know, especially you know, as you were there in '95, '96, the rise of the Click, mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, those guys, mm-hmm. that crew. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you to watch those guys who are acting like crazy taking off within the promotion? Uh, as far as what now? Like just, you know, just their successes and watching them at the same time acting, you know, like. Oh, they were was, out part- I mean, good for them. Great. Yeah. They were that part- was awesome. I mean, good, you know. Yeah. Wow. They, they were just different. <laughs> they, they, they just partied so hard and they had such different lifestyles than you, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, that's just not for me. And I'm not, I mean, since school. I'm a leader, not a follower, and I'm not following no matter what. Just not doing it. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to be made example of or a clown or laughed at or it's ridiculous. I don't have time for that. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, well, Barry, mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much here for the time to chat on the Winkley. I really wanted to pick your brain for a while. You're one of my favorites of all time. Oh, thank you, Nick. Uh, of, of um, co- yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say. Oh, yeah, just 
Yeah. Go ahead. No, Barry, Go ahead. you start. I feel like we're stepping on each other's toes here. Come on. It's like I'm supposed right. to leapfrog here and you're drop down. Um <laughs> you, you're gonna be I, I was gonna give you the hard plug and the chance to go out. But yeah, June first. Legends of the Ring, go find Barry Horowitz. Barry, is there anything you want to leave everyone with here today before we wrap it yeah, up? Yeah, just uh, I want to thank my fan base, and I want to also tell people that I'm new to Facebook. I've been there on a week and a half, and uh, I'm also I'm, um, I'm available for training sessions, uh, motivational uh, seminars, and also signings. Um, just get in touch with the Facebook, look me up. Um, yeah, WWE.com, BarryHorowitz.com, MrTechnical.info. Uh, I'm all over the place, and come see me uh, if I'm in your town and stuff. I'd love, you know, take pictures, sign some autographs, talk uh, stories, and, and have fun and meet my fan base. My guest at this time is one half of uh, one of Impact Wrestling's newest tag teams, The North. He is Ethan Page. Ethan, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. No problem at all. Oh man! So uh, yeah, you're you're like you. Uh, we were chatting before we got on the air. You're home. You're a dad. How is dad life uh, treating you uh, in the wacky, wild world of pro wrestling? Straight. I go out of my way to make sure I'm as home as much as possible, uh, which kind of sucks for the job that we have. But uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, I appreciate my time away from wrestling more and more every day. Awesome, man. Well, let's talk about what you're doing in wrestling right now. No longer with Matt Seidel. Um, did you find inner peace? or Have you moved on from Matt with more inner peace than you had before? Yeah, I really didn't take that long to get over that whole thing. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> and you are now part of, uh, dude, a badass, brutal, ground-and-pound tag team here, the North with Josh Alexander. <laughs> Tell me about this. Tell me about how you and Josh came together to form the North. Uh, well, it was kind of like a natural fit. Uh, we've been tagging for years as Monster Mafia. And then when the opportunity kind of came our way at Impact, it was a natural decision for both of us to say, yeah, we'd love to do it. Dude, that's awesome. And so tell me a little bit about your history here with Josh. You know, you bring up the Monster Mafia and stuff. Tell, fill everyone in here about what you guys have been up here to here for the past couple of years. Oh, well, we are... Uh, former PWG tag team champions. We've worked for Ring of Honor, AAW, um, all over North America, uh, especially in Canada. Um, C4 Wrestling, we've teamed up. Alpha One Wrestling, we've teamed up. And uh, we've had some of our personal career favorite matches with each other in the ring, uh, most specifically as a tag team. So for us to be able to not only team um, on national television as well as Twitch, for Impact Wrestling, but to rename ourselves the North, which helps us represent our country, it's like a extra step of pride for us. How was so, it? Yeah. How was it getting to compete at Rebellion in Canada uh, in front of all those crazy Canadian fans? Absolutely unreal, and, and just the fans. Like we had family in the crowd, and uh, to have like a pay per view style and environment, uh, it was special to do it so close to home. Man, that's so cool, man. And yeah, you were in there. Uh, you guys teamed with Moose to take on uh, the Rascals. Really enjoyed uh, the whole show, top to bottom. Rebellion. Uh, what, what what did you think of the North's pay per view debut? How do you how do you feel coming out of that victory? Uh, I'm happy because this, that was my third pay per view. Um, my first two were not victorious, 
Mm-hmm. But uh, this one, I pulled out the win. And again, having family there to be able to see the victory and uh, moving forward, knowing that uh, we're going to be still working with Moose is good, especially because he's one of the top talents in impact. And uh, we get to kind of brush shoulders and get the rub off someone that's been there for a while. That is cool. Is Moose going to be part of he's is, is he going to be part of the North? No, just friend adjacent of the North. I would say adjacent. And, you know, uh, Moose are known to hang out in Canada anyways. So uh, there, there was a natural fit as well. That's true. I didn't even think about that. It makes a lot of sense yeah. to have a Moose in the North. Um, yeah. Uh, well, this was a really cool show uh, because it was a headline by tag match, right? LAX, the Lucha Brothers, uh, headline rebellion, blow away bout. Uh, what did it mean for you, you know, getting started here with the North in the tag division to see tag teams main eventing the pay per view? I love it, and and I don't I don't really think that it was uh, like picking one over the other. I just think you know they've had this ongoing thing for so long and what the match meant to them personally, as well as the company, uh, it made sense for that match to close out the show. And it, it keeps me excited knowing that uh, just because Josh and I are together doesn't mean we can't be a main event act. Yeah, totally. What'd you, uh, what'd you think about the big hug and everything at the end? Like you guys, you guys all came out to the ring after the show. Like I thought it was like the indie montage for Saturday night live or something like that. Uh, well, you said you guys, Josh and I were not out there. Oh, that's true. Uh, we chose to stay in the back because, uh, I'm not really looking to hug anybody that I want to punch in the face and steal their belt, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. That's the thing is I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, uh, this is, you know, it's a very touching moment. Sentimental here. I was surprised somebody didn't get popped in the face or something with all those elbows that were being rubbed out there. Yeah, and that's not really our thing. Uh, we're more into the competition and wanting to win the tag team titles, and that's our goal right now. So, yeah. Um, now, uh, that was a brutal bout that LAX and the Lucha Brothers put on. I mean, thumbtacks, tables, chairs, everything like that. I mean, is that stuff you think that Impact needs to be doing to, to stand out more? Are you a fan of that type of uh, brutal action, like what you saw? I mean, I, I think it's always necessary when it's necessary and uh when things are built properly and there's a climax that needs that extra violence or introducing weapons or a specific match gimmick uh impacts great at delivering that and giving guys the opportunity to kind of go a couple steps past what they've already done and after how many amazing matches you've seen lax and the lucha bros in this was the climax um, of their feud and ending it in full metal mayhem is like pretty crazy. And you saw what happened and yeah, it was a wild one. Yeah, man. Uh, and so yeah, LAX versus the North, that's a very uh, compelling um, bout there thinking about the two of you guys sharing space. I mean, how quickly do you see yourself as, you know, being those number one contenders? I mean, obviously you guys were very impressive at rebellion. Well, we beat um, another hot tag team act in the Rascals. So uh, if anyone's looking for title shots, I would assume it would be the people that won. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than that, uh, you've got the Deaners. They're fairly new. Uh, who else we got in the tag division? You've got Desi Hit Squad. They yeah. don't have too many wins under their belt. So if you're looking for challengers, I think the North is number one or number two on the list. Um. 
Now, uh, how, you know, let's just talk a little bit about, because Ethan, this has been a big year for you. You know, you transitioned, you know, kind of out of the indies. You know, you were all in last year, which I thought was a big moment for you. You know, you've now moved up. You're on national television here. I mean, how has this experience been for the past year or so as you've made that transition, you know, to being, you know, a, a televised wrestling star? I've enjoyed it. It's been challenging um, in a sense of figuring out different ways to work uh, within the guidelines of a TV show with times and, and stuff like that. Um, but I think after the last year, I've gotten really comfortable with it. Um, these past tapings in Toronto, I've been given great opportunities to uh, hold the mic live in front of the audience, which was a thing that I've wanted to do since signing with Impact. So um, I had my goals set out and now they're slowly coming to fruition. So I've enjoyed it and I look forward to seeing what's next. You know, you talk about, you know, hitting times and stuff. Is that really the biggest difference for you? Or are there other differences you've noticed as you've been, you know, transitioning into this? Times was a big one for me. Um, making sure that I didn't over plan everything and complicate it. Uh, like everything is, although it's like taped, everything is essentially live to tape. So you want to make sure that you're not taking away from the rest of the show. Um, also, the rest of the show might be taking away from you. So while your match is happening, you could definitely uh, get a, hey, we need this to be shorter or we need this to be longer. And being able to just do that on the fly is a skill that I've been training myself to be better at uh, over the past year. Even on the indies, I've been forcing rest to give me time cues just so I get the muscle memory of it. And uh, I'm bettering myself for my employer. So, yeah. Man, that's that's great. Um, and, you know, you big part of this here, too, is, you know, you're working actively, you know, with a creative team here, which is something, you know, on the indies and stuff, you have creative teams and things like that, but you're talking, we're talking backstage segments and things like that. I mean, what's your relationship like with the impact creative team, um, working with them? Uh, it's getting better and better every taping. Um, and I think it's just because they're getting more comfortable with me and they're slowly understanding, uh, my skill set and where I would thrive. And I think that was a big change in these past tapings again, is getting that mic live uh, in front of the crowd and having a segment uh, with Rob Van Dam and yeah. getting to be able to show a little bit of my character uh, instead of just wrestling in matches that, in, in my opinion, were good, but essentially just wrestling for wrestling. Yeah. You know, and I've noticed that you've been, you've been getting in really good shape, Ethan. I mean, you, you look probably the best. Thank I, th you. I think you look the best now that I think I've seen you in your entire career. Was that a big part of you think helping you to stand out and resonate with the creative team is showing them that you're taking that part of your game very seriously as well? Oh, for sure. Uh, Don Callis made a joke this weekend saying that when they told me to get in shape or get a singlet, they assumed that even though I said I'd get in shape, that I'd be getting a singlet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were, they made a joke like saying like, you know, guys always get told get in better shape uh, or get a singlet and none of them ever end up doing it. And I was like, well, I really look stupid in a singlet. So when you gave me the ultimatum, I was like, <laughs> this is it's now or never, man, I need to fix this. <laughs> Wow. How hard, you know, how hard, how hard was it for you to get in this shape here? What was the, what's the regimen like? Uh, it was hard in a sense that physically it was hard. <laughs> and uh, the, the diet was hard, like putting things in my mouth, sure. but knowing what to eat wasn't hard. Uh, my wife for Christmas actually 
got me a personal trainer and a dietitian. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was like a family thing. I told her what, what impact wanted. And, and like, I, I personally was in a position in my career that I wasn't satisfied in. And I guess that was always the one thing that I knew would hold me back eventually. So I just decided to just go for it and make the changes needed. And now here we are. Do you feel like, do you feel less shackled now? Like knowing that you've kind of, you know, polished off that last part of your game that, you know, you'd heard criticisms of through your career? Honestly, yes. And it's given me a confidence that I can't really explain to you, um, which is translated to my wrestling. It's translated to my promos. It's translated to how I carry myself at meet and greets uh, and autograph signings and uh, appearances. So like, it's made my life completely better. Uh, it's made traveling better. It's made sleep better. Uh, it's yeah. definitely improved my personal life too. So yeah, it's, it was uh, something that needed to happen that I'm very happy that it did. Man. And you know, it, it's such a vibrant time right now in pro wrestling, you know, obviously you're with impact, you're crushing with impact, you know, it's no secret, you know, there's like WWE and AEW and stuff like knowing that you're in this time period right now, is that also a motivating factor for you to, to do things like go out of your way and get in shape and all those type things? Oh, 100%. And like, um, I've got like a ways to go on my impact contract, but I want to make myself as valuable to them as possible. So, uh, if, and when the time arises, uh, and it's time to talk money, they see more value in what they're giving me now or somewhere else, uh, sees the value in the work that I've been putting in and is willing to pay it. So like the biggest thing to me is now with a family, making sure that I'm putting myself in a position to uh, earn as much as possible and bring it home to uh, my wife and kids. So yeah, making myself as <laughs> worth money as possible. Uh, yeah. That's, that's really kind of the, that's the goal of pro wrestling. Just make them, it's a business, you know, make the money. Uh, and on that note, you know, I brought up earlier, you know, you were part of all in. I remember being in that press room with you uh, just before the show started, you know, I don't know that anybody could have seen that becoming what it is now, but I mean, are you still chatting with these guys? What do you think about the launch of AEW? Could you see impact working with AEW? Uh, yeah. I mean, these guys are my friends. So uh, keeping in touch with them outside of business stuff is naturally going to happen. Uh, I, I want nothing but the best for all the guys that are putting this together just because it's good for professional wrestling. And uh, I wouldn't, uh, put it past impact and AEW working together in a sense that the Jericho crews had a mix of those guys. And honestly, you never know, mind you, I'm not saying make the header of your <laughs> post. Ethan page says impact and AEW are working together, but I mean, never say never, especially in 2019. Well, uh, you just took the fun out of uh, that quote for me, Ethan. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, buddy, uh, for doing my job there for me. Um, uh, uh, I'll wrap it up here. You know, I know you guys this weekend are headed off to Philadelphia, the 2300 Arena. Uh, that is so effing cool for so many reasons to, to get to go back to those hollowed grounds. Uh, how does it feel for you to know you're going to be playing the 2300? And uh, what are your expectations? Um, without giving anything away, knowing what I'm doing there, and what arena it is and city and the guys that I'll be working with makes me even more excited. And you'll find out uh, in the days to come, but uh, it's just super exciting. Especially too, like they just announced today, 
It's Rob Van Dam versus Tommy Dreamer in the arena. Uh, and that'll be on Impact TV. So, I mean, you're dealing with some legendary stuff and stuff that uh, made me a wrestling fan. And, yeah, it's 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 exciting. It's awesome. Awesome. Hey, uh, Ethan, I want to thank you again so much for the time here. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Uh, you're at a great point in your career, man. I'm looking forward to seeing what you get to do here in the next year or so. Uh, is there any place? Is there any place you want to send people to find you, follow you, all those great things on social media? Yeah, my my strongest social media would be my Twitter. Uh, that's at official ego. Uh, I'm constantly uploading and posting and reminding people of events I have coming up. So uh, yeah, support me on there. And uh, the biggest thing I'm trying to push right now is my blog, which I take a camera with me uh, backstage at all the events. Uh, in places I go every weekend. Uh, I try and keep it as current as possible. And uh, I just dropped one today, actually, um, backstage at Impact when we were filming in Windsor, uh, which was the debut of the North. So you get to kind of see us find our entrance music and uh, debut and what Josh is feeling like first time backstage at Impact. So, yeah, it's, it's great stuff. Thank you, Michael, for toughing it out there at the top of the show with me, old Bleeding Gums Hausman here today. <laughs> Bleeding Gums Hausman, that's nice. I like it. Bleeding Gums Hausman. I got a little blood around the base of my tooth because, you know, they had to jam a new tooth on top of it. Um, thank you, Barry Horowitz, for coming on. Thank you, Ethan Page. <laughs> thank you, you for that graphic definition of what a crown is, Nick. I appreciate it. This was, this was actually – I thought this was going to be less painful today because last time they had to shave the tooth down – to fit, oh. to fit the crown? Have you ever had a crown? Oh. I've never had a crown. I've had them like do the drilling for cavities before, which is always the worst feeling is that grinding of the tooth inside your mouth. Oh, but... for... oh. Oh, no, they no like a statue maker. They had to like shape my tooth so they could they could put a cap on it, which is what my new tooth is. Ugh. I'm so grossed out right now. Come on. I had to live through it. I don't yeah. know. We're too we're too far in. We're too far in. You're just gonna have to take it. <laughs> It's like get another dentist. Um, Isaac Yankum, I hear. He's still beating around somewhere in Tennessee. Genuinely was having some some moments there. Uh, all right. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, you like having fun with us, uh, we are going to StarCast 2 May 24th, a Friday before Double or Nothing, 2 p.m. We'll be on the Tuscany Suites and Casino podcast movement stage uh, with our pro wrestling journalism panel and Hootenanny. So I'm hoping to have a couple more announcements to roll out about that next week. But come party with us. Come have some drinks with us. We're going to have a great time. If you want to support the show, you want to support the sh- site, go over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wrestling Inc. Get the Jack Journalist shirt or our old school Wrestling Inc. logoed shirt. You go to our iTunes page, leave us a five-star reading. Leave us a nice message, whatever you want to leave there. Uh, anytime you engage with our iTunes page, it's a great way to show your support because it helps us uh, stay alive uh, and lists and things or whatever iTunes does. Uh, tomorrow, uh, like I said, the Ringside Wrestling app, 2 p.m. Myself, Raj Geary, we will be back for our latest video Friday. Winkly, our guest on tomorrow will be Andy Malnowski's interview with WWE Hall of Famer Coco Beware. Oh, what a great way mm. to end the week. Fun way that's to end awesome. the week. Um, so uh, that's it, guys. Thank you so much. Michael, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show? I always just say, if you uh, like what I do here, you can follow me for Wrestling Insight all week long and a little bit of snarkiness along the way. Uh, that is on Twitter, at The Real Wiseman, and pictures of my dogs, my cats, and whatever else comes my way here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, on Instagram, at Wiseman.ma. I am Nick Hausman, at Wink Rebel, over on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>